$100 million in jury verdicts and settlements for serious injury victims, medical malpractice victims, and surviving family members of wrongful death victims. Trial Lawyers for Justice. This is a firm that does not handle frivolous lawsuits. They go after insurance company money, and they're darn good at it. They don't sell their clients out or settle cheaply. Trial Lawyers for Justice, the firm that goes the distance for you their client. They treat their clients the way you would want your own family members taken care of. Nicholas Rowley, Dominic Pachota, and the other trial lawyers in the firm at Trial Lawyers for Justice, dedicated to representing the people and their families in Iowa, Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, Illinois, California, Wyoming, and many other states. Trial Lawyers for Justice. $100 million in settlements and jury verdicts already in 2016. 888-811-0844. Trial Lawyers for Justice. You're listening to Sports Econ 101, the show where we discuss sports topics from a business perspective. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Bruce McGowan, longtime sports radio personality. Now, today's show is going to be kind of special. Who's going to be on our guest? A good friend of mine that I've known for many years uh, who works in the Raider front office, the director of alumni relations and a former Oakland Raider himself, owner of two Super Bowl rings, Morris Bradshaw. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Raiders of today, and of course, you any conversation with Morris has to include some of the great players he played alongside back in the 1970s. And also, uh, it'll be kind of fun to ask him about the USFL. Yeah, it was a short, as, he, <laughs> as he, we were talking ahead of time, it was a short conversation, he only played two games, but just the experience of it. Yeah, because yeah, I like to ask him yeah, like yeah. how the comparison you know, of the game was with... You know, yeah. to just the, the nature. I, of the I game. covered it, about fifteen of those games over those years. It was a fun. It was a fun league to okay. cover. And it if really I remember was. correctly, I think they had the two point conversion. They did. They, they did. So yeah. they kind of you know decided a little bit of uh, uh, you know ingenuity, so yeah. to speak, in a col- yeah. after college football. Okay, and at every commercial break, we're going to ask a sports trivia question, and of course, it's going to be football today since uh, we have our guest. And uh, this segment of Sports Econ 101 is sponsored by Pacific Private Money, providing mortgage investments that are currently yielding around seven and three quarters percent. They used to pay eight percent, but you know rates came down, a little competition in the Bay Area, so they're only paying seven and three quarters. Oh, poor us, huh? Seven and three quarters percent. <laughs> it doesn't get any more conservative than that. You got to check them out at PacificPrivateMoney.com. And when we come back, we are going to have um, Morris Bradshaw. Uh, with us, who a former wide receiver with the Oakland Raiders and uh, the Patriots for a little bit, and also at the USFL. Uh, we got about 30 seconds, uh, if you wanted to say anything more before well, we I was just going to say this, such an exciting time of the year. You know, college football fans are going nuts, uh, and we can talk with Morris about his experience because he played for Woody Hayes in Ohio State. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah, which was, you know, he got to play in a Rose Bowl, so uh, or two. So uh, Morris had some interesting experience. I always call Morris, he's sort of like the, uh, what was that movie that Tom Hanks starred in where he played the guy who just happened to be everywhere where there was something important happening? Morris is one of those guys. He just happens to be there. remember that movie. Okay, we'll have to well, figure that one out. Yeah, okay, stay with us. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. We'll be right back.
This is Mark Honf, co-host of Mortgage Investing 101. Did you know that you can earn, year in and year out, returns of 8% and more on your savings and retirement accounts? Mortgage-backed investment strategies such as trustee investing and mortgage pool funds can do just that. Since 2008, clients of Pacific Private Money have consistently earned high yields on their investments. Find out for yourself how you, too, can profit from these real estate-secured investments. Call 415-883-2150 or visit our website at PacificPrivateMoney.com. Whether you're a local or entertaining visitors, check out the new Cityscape Viewing Lounge at the Hilton San Francisco Union Square for 360-degree views that are out of this world. This new San Francisco landmark serves up premium wines by the glass and locally crafted beers, as well as tempting appetizers, all of which complement the city's landmark vistas. The Cityscape Viewing Lounge at the Hilton San Francisco Union Square. Invest in some fun this season with this deal from Paintball Tickets. With the largest network of paintball fields in North America, Paintball Tickets is committed to bringing you high-intensity fun for a fraction of the cost. With the purchase of your paintball tickets, you'll receive free admission and equipment rentals to some of the most played-at paintball parks nationwide. And by partnering up with like-minded, safety-conscious paintball fields in thriving markets across the nation, we've ensured there's always a field close to home. These tickets, which can be purchased in bulk, are designed to fit the needs of every skill level, from casual observers to weekend warriors. This adrenaline-inducing sport is perfect for birthday parties, corporate team building, or a casual outing with friends. Make the right choice for your wallet. Get in on the fastest-growing action sport with this deal from Paintball Tickets by going to sportsecon101.com and clicking on the Play Paintball button. The Lodge at Tiburon is steps from the ferry docks and nestled among Tiburon's upscale boutiques, charming cafes, and unique galleries. Dine at the award-winning Tiburon Tavern, serving innovative dishes prepared with ingredients grown in our very own gardens. Starting from $199 a night, join us at the Lodge at Tiburon and create long-lasting memories. For reservations, call 1-877-614-6068. Join us at the Lodge at Tiburon or go to lodgeattiburon.com. Want to stay in touch with your favorite Sports Byline USA network hosts? Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Sports Byline USA. You can also see the latest news in the world of sports, learn about upcoming contests and giveaways, plus catch up on guest info so you never miss a moment with the biggest names in every sport. Football, basketball, baseball, MMA, and more. No matter where you are in the U.S. or around the world, you can stay connected to the host and fans who love what you love. So check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Byline USA. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. And, Bruce, we have our guests on the phone. We do. We have Morris Bradshaw, who's Director of Alumni Services for the Oakland Raiders, has worked with the Raiders as a player. Uh, he was a wide receiver from 74 through 81. The team moved to L.A. Uh, Morris ended up playing a little with the uh, New England Patriots and the USFL, Oakland Invaders, for one year or for a couple of games anyway. And Morris, you know, uh, I'd like to talk about the, the here and the now, but in any conversation with you, we have to, we might as well go back into the past for a minute here. You got to know Al Davis very well. As a matter of fact, Al Davis was the guy who probably, you know, made the final decision to hire you. And you got to be in his circle. Uh, and, and that's a special kind of a group of people. Tell us a little bit about, and he's been gone now for several years. Tell us a little bit about what it was like first playing and then working with a guy like Al Davis. Well, first of all, uh, Edward Bruce. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. 
pleasure to be here. Um, I uh, I don't know if I would call it an inner circle or what have you. I have been here for a while, and um, it it's been a, a, a great experience for me. Um, I've learned a lot, both um, uh, professionally and and personally. Um, I would say I think without getting into too much trouble, most of what you probably heard probably is uh, pretty close to the truth. About Al Davis, <laughs> you're talking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but as I said, it's it's it was a um, um, you know just a great learning experience for me, both um, you know for my professional career, uh, both on the field and off the field, but also for my personal life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the Raiders uh, and my association with them over the last 27 years and then uh, uh, here in the front office. And then I had the, uh, the honor of uh, playing for the team for eight years. And, um, y- you know, my family, we've, we've, uh, they've afforded, it's afforded us, uh, you know, a great deal of stability uh, with our kids and, and uh, grandkids now. Um, so it's, 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 uh, you know, rather than getting into you know some maybe some of the more uh, colorful and glamorous stories that you've heard, <laughs> uh, you know, from my experience, uh, it, it's it's just been it's been great. Well, well, I was going to ask you, uh, Morris, do you um, do, do you make comparisons at all? Like you know, when you were playing with the guys, you know, Stabler and all that, and then um, you know, with the guys now, do, do you do that a lot? Well, sure. I call it bar talk. Bar yeah. talk. Yeah. Yeah. You. you I mean, I mean, in reality, it, you know, it's 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 very very difficult to make those comparisons. You know, the game itself, the players, everything has changed. Uh, the game's played a little differently today than it was, you know, when when I played. Um, I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm just you know acknowledging that that it's different. I mean, one of the but, things we have talked about uh, before is that you know nowadays players are you know they're they're 300 pounds and yet they're fast. And yet, you know, bones still are only so big, and they, they get broken pretty easily. And I think that's one of the reasons you see a lot more injuries now. Well, well, maybe. Uh, I don't know if we if we're seeing actually seeing more injuries, or if we're just hearing about the injuries that were already Good there. Good point. Because, yeah. uh, inform, the information that we get now is 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 um, omnipresent. It's always there. And mm-hmm. you know, before Bruce, I know you remember. It, Monday night football, you know, you you didn't have the news outlets, we didn't have the internet, you didn't have um, access, and so these things, you know, Monday night football was when you re- you had a chance to report on what happened on 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 Sunday, and now you you get you get injury reports and things of that nature. So I I don't know if the speed of the game, um, players are any different, uh, you know, if, you know, hitting harder, or bigger, or faster. Um, you know, the game is what it is, and I know some of the guys that I played with, um, we, we had a gathering at training camp last year. We had about 92 of our former players that came and spent a day and a half with us, and quite a few of them made a comment that, man, if we practice like, like these guys are practicing today, man, we'd still all be playing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and again, I wasn't trying to you know, be any kind of disparaging or anything like that. Oh, no, no, I yeah. understand. Yeah. It, it's... It's uh, it, you know, it's just hard. I think uh, uh, in reality to make comparisons. But I, as I said, we all do it. And you know, I would I would say that you know our um, uh, 76 championship team that finished 13 and one, 
uh, was just as good as the 80 team that finished 11 and five and, and was a wild card team. Mm-hmm. But at the end of at the end, when you look at both teams, there's no comparison. They were two totally different teams. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. It was such a, a short period. You know, you came into the league in 74 at a time when the NFL was just really, I think, at the, at the peak of its powers and, and approaching the peak of its powers. And Ken Stabler was larger than life. He was a little bit older than you. But you joined a team that was on the verge of becoming great. You got to play a secondary role, but on a team that became great and, and went through its greatest period there, the 76 through 80, you mentioned those two Super Bowl championships. What was it like for a young kid who would, you, you know, you played under the, the, the spotlight with, with Woody Hayes at Ohio State, but coming to the Raiders, you <laughs> knew about this, this organization and, and the characters, you know, whether it was Stabler or Villa Piano or the hitman, George Atkinson or Jack Tatum. I mean, what, what were the personalities like for a young guy going into camp? Were they, did they kind of intimidate you at first? Were they, were they very welcoming? I mean, do you have any good little stories or insights on, on players that you befriended and, and uh, you were kind of surprised to become really good friends with? Well, uh, yeah, it was it was uh, you know a little bit intimidating um, walking into um, seeing guys that you had uh, admired on 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 TV, um, and all of a sudden you know they're standing in front of you. And I think I don't know how other guys would have would approach that, but um, I had an internal battle of you know was I worthy of being in the presence of these great players. And um, I think that that becomes the challenge. Um, and, you know, eventually uh, you, you have to come to grips with it, that if, if this is what you want to do and you, and you want to be a part of this, then you can't be in awe of the players, the game itself. Yeah. Um, there was, and I will admit, you know, that that, that first Super Bowl, uh, which was my third year in the league, um, you know, I really didn't have a, a sense or an idea of, of what was, was, was at stake or what was going on. Um, I came into a winning organization um, my rookie year in, in, um, um, in 74, 1974. Uh, we finished the regular season 12-2. and two. Um, The second year, we were 11-3. and, and, and three. We were only playing 14 games then. And then my third year, the Super Bowl year, we were 13-1. and one. So... I thought that that's what you did all the time. You won all the time, and we were in the AFC Championship game of those three years, one game away from the Super Bowl. Well, I was going to say, before that, you were at Ohio State, and they were always in the top ten, and they were always in a postseason bowl. So you, you kind of you probably grew into this thing uh, maybe from high school. Was your high school team that good, too? Not really. <laughs> we were – we uh, my senior year, the, our high school, we were – I think we finished uh, five and three and – one, um, something like that, but uh, that had been the best record that our uh, high school team had posted in probably uh, decades. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I happened to be a, you know, a good player, good athlete, um, went to Ohio State and and continued in that vein, Um, and the Raiders obviously saw something, gratefully, I'm grateful for that. And uh, I was able to come here and, and uh, you know, be a contributor. Um, that's one of the other things I learned working here, that playing here, that, you know, you're, gonna, you're going to have your frontline guys and, and your stars. But, you know, Mr. Davis taught us, uh, taught me anyway, um, how to appreciate, you know, front office, how to appreciate support staff. 
and you know it, it takes a, an entire company an entire organization to win a Super Bowl and I think that's and, one of the reasons you can't um, you know be too much in awe of these people is because you were chosen right I mean you didn't just like pay money to, to you know they, they looked at you and they said hey you know what this guy's good enough to play on our team Right. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, more. Stay with us for a minute. We got to go sure. to a quick commercial break. Okay. And if you know the answer to this, don't answer yet because we <laughs> we want to see the, if the audience can get it too. Okay. What is the name of the AFC Championship Trophy? Uh, Remember good, last week I asked question. you some of those questions, yeah, yeah. and then uh, we're going to yeah, do this yeah. one. Okay. Um, so the email Edward at SportsEcon101.com. The answer to this question: What is the name of the AFC Championship Trophy? All right, stay with us. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. We're going to be right back. Tired of calls, levies, and liens from the IRS or hiring others who don't get the job done? Call Wall and Associates and you'll never talk to the IRS again. The IRS has a program to eliminate tax debt and Wall and Associates professionals are trained to maximize its benefits for you. You always speak with a live person with real support and real knowledge. We've helped thousands of taxpayers like you settle their tax debt with the IRS for a fraction of what they owe. We solve tax problems. Call Wall and Associates now. 800-480-5708. We have the professionals who know how to solve tax problems. If you owe money to the IRS, your tax problems are not going away by themselves, and the passage of time will only make matters worse. Act now before it's too late. Call Wall and Associates right now to speak to a professional tax relief agent. Call 800-480-5708. That's 800-480-5708. Again, 800-480-5708. Rebuild or replace transmission, $3,200. Anti-lock brake system, $1,000. Rebuild or replace engine, $2,400. Truth is, once your manufacturer's warranty runs out, it's all on you. Every last cent. Get protection for covered repairs with a vehicle service contract from Toco Warranty. Unlike other companies, with Toco, there's no down payment, and the monthly payments are really affordable. Not sure how long you're keeping your car? At Toco, you can pay as you go. Keep your hard-earned cash and call Toco Warranty right now at 800-222-2313 to save big money on covered auto repairs. Prices vary by vehicle, but for about the cost of a tank of gas per month, a Toco plan has your back on expensive covered car repairs. Monthly payments are very affordable. Get your free quote now. Call Toco at 800-222-2313. That's 800-222-2313. 800-222-2313. Cancellation fee may apply. Subject to eligibility. Not available in Missouri and Washington. Waiting period and deductible apply. Coverage provided and administered by Warrantech Corporation or its affiliates. Not affiliated with any manufacturer or dealership. Visit tocowarranty.com for complete terms and conditions. This family is at home, but they won't be answering the door. They know that the pounding on the door is a process server from the court waiting to hand them foreclosure documents. So instead of enjoying the home they worked so hard to afford, they sit hiding in the dark. Mom, what was that? But it doesn't have to be this way. This family can save their home, but they must act fast. Call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions at 800-274-7312. If you're being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, missed a payment on your mortgage, been a victim of a predatory loan, or are upside down on your home, it's critical that you call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions now. 800-274-7312. Allied State Foreclosure Solutions has an attorney in your area that will meet and speak with you. You can stop the foreclosure 
foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, save your home and your credit. But you must act now. Call 800-274-7312. 800-274-7312. Not available in all states. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Edward Brown here along with Bruce McGowan. Here was our first trivia question. What is the name of the AFC Championship Trophy? Bruce, a, you know I'm, that one? I know that one, but I'm going to let Morris answer it because uh, I think Morris knows it too. Morris? I wish, wish I would have floated this before. Is, is it the Lamar Hunt Trophy? It there is. Very go. good. One Founder of the, of the AFL. Yeah. First but, awarded in what year? God, it would have been 1970. 1984. Oh, 19, that's yeah. 1984 because yeah. the two leagues merged uh, the, yeah, in Okay, so a uh, quick question for you. Ask your question. Uh, oh, and I wanted quick. to just say we are talking with Morris Bradshaw, oh, yes. the longtime uh, director of uh, Raider Alumni Relations, who has been in the front office for many years and also played with the Raiders back in the 1970s. So, Morris, I want to ask you a quick question about injuries. Um, you know, you, we've heard stories about how uh, in the old days players kept the injuries quiet because, you know, otherwise, hey, there's another guy who, who's going to take your spot. And I'm not sure if it's the same way now. It seems like you kind of hear these injuries a little bit more and guys are less willing to sit out if they if they really need to. How has the game changed from when you played to now with regard to those kind of issues? Well, I would I would like to think for the betterment of the player, it's, it's, it's much better today. Um, you, you were correct that you know, there was a time you did not, um, well, you didn't openly disclose injuries. Um, you, I know with the Raiders, it, it, there was a deal that, that if we had so much talent, that if you, if you were out of the lineup, you might not get back in. But, but at what and, point, though, do you, your injuries hamper your play to the point where you suddenly don't look as good as you you were, you know what I mean? Well, you you know, I, I probably right away. Yeah. Um, you know, I I was told. Now I don't know if it's true or not, but I was told that an injured player on 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 tape or on film um, resembles a player that doesn't know what he's doing. Wow. Mainly because you're not able to move as crisply as as uh, uh, smoothly as yeah. uh, as crisp as you'd like to. Um, um, and it shows up on film. Now, you know, I'm sure as the player, you're, you think, you're, you know, you're looking great. You're giving it a great effort. But, um, and, and then with the protocols that we have today, um, I'm not saying, you know, non-disclosure of an, of an injury by a player is the right thing to do. I'm just acknowledging that it, I, I believe it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Relating to that, I mean, you played 10 years in the professional uh, ranks and, and four years in college and four years in high school. So that's about 18 years of competitive football. And I know that, you know, while wide receivers usually don't get banged up that much, they do get a few injuries here and there. Do you, you're, we're the same age. We're both 64. Do you find yourself sometimes getting up in the morning going, oh, man, that – that shoulder that has really been bothering me for years, or that leg or knee. Do you have those little aches and That's pains? I, I have that, and I bowled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, for a while now, um, I have uh, 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 two artificial hips. Ooh. Um, and, and I, I had the, the last one was replaced uh, about uh, eight years ago. Um, and it, it, right now, though, I'm probably – I've been pain-free – um, um, thank you um, for for a number of years. Um, I, I don't know. I don't pay much attention to it, Bruce. I do have, 
you know, little aches and, and, and pains here, uh, getting getting up out of a chair, or and a lot of it depends on what I've been doing physically that day. But nothing debilitating uh, is what I'm saying. Uh, no. Yeah. You've been, do, you, do you ever worry about the dementia thing? Because so many players have sure. concussions. I mean, you know, I was talking to George Atkinson the other day, and George played in your era, mm-hmm. and he played for 10 years, and he had a number of concussions and George says he's he's suffered from CTE for several years and he says that sometimes he'll get up in the morning and he won't even remember what he had for dinner last night he won't remember what he said to his wife you know he says it's really disturbing you haven't had those kind of symptoms but I imagine some players that, that are about your age are going through that right now in real subtle forms yeah it's it, it is unfortunate um fortunately I, I am not ha- having any any symptoms like that but it is something I think that's you know on a on, on your brain um, a lot. Uh, I think we you have to. The the evidence is there. Yeah. Um, um, there are guys out there that that are in in pretty bad shape. Um, I will say that I think the efforts that the league is putting forth today uh, is the right thing to do. You know the the uh, the concussion lawsuit was was has been settled. And um, um, guys should be able to get some type of relief here in, in the um, in the immediate future. Um, I think that's a good thing. Is it perfect? Probably not. Well, it's fine. I'm looking. I'm looking at your your statistics from the standpoint of you know. It says here that you were six one, 195, and it reminded me there was a friend of mine from high school who played for the Falcons, um, and he was about six two, but he weighed about one seventy five. And he was a wide receiver. Who is this now? Stacey Bailey. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, Good ball player uh, from Nevada, Ohio. Yeah, yeah uh, from, Santa, uh, from Santa, Terralinda. Terralinda, Ohio. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it, it's funny because we'd, we'd watch him on TV, and he would he could never go down the middle. I mean, he, you know, I think maybe I saw him once. Otherwise, he'd just get creamed. So, so he was more of a sideline yeah. sideline guy. Hey, I'm curious. You know, we talked about great players that you played with. Jack Tatum was a guy that was a senior when you were a freshman at Ohio State, so you subsequently probably didn't get to know him that well. But Morris, I would think, having played alongside him, although he played on defense in the secondary, you played in offense as, as a, a wide receiver, that you got to know each other probably pretty well. What, you know, he was such a quiet guy and sort of soft-spoken and cultivated that air of mystery about him because he was the, the hit man, you know, the tough guy. Uh, what was he like uh, personally? You got to know him pretty well. Well, you know, he, Jack was quiet, but I mean, he was—he was a different personality off the field. I mean, he wasn't, you know, the guy that was, um, you know, having, uh, uh, you know, at the bar having parties at his house or anything. He was—he was pretty low key. Um, it, it, we also came, you know, up in an era of playing football, um, high school, college, and, and professionally. Uh, you know, the attitude. Uh, perspective I think that we all had on it was much much different um, I mean here with the Raiders it was truly um, um, it was truly war uh, you, you know every Sunday and it, it I mean when we won it felt great and when you lost it, it felt awful and and you know I you know Jack played that way when you went on the field uh, he was a true warrior um, he was admired by a lot of uh, you know players, and and his style of play uh, was admired. Um, attitudes as far as the physicality of the game and how the game was played, uh, as we all know today, have changed. And I think that's you know for for the good. It's it's good for players to be protected on the field and and on the sidelines, and to have observers. I think uh, you know for the health of of, of our players. 
Yeah. I can imagine Jack being if he played today, he'd be very frustrated. I would think <laughs> I, he would have he would have yeah. had to have changed his game. Yeah, but understand that the the way he played was encouraged. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. you had guys that came along, you know, after Jack, you know, Ronnie Lott, mm-hmm. uh, you know, heavy, you know, guys that were known as heavy hitters, and I think if you ask any of them, you know who they modeled, they would all say Jack Tatum. Yeah, yeah. Charles Woodson kind of reminds me a little bit yeah, of him, although he's a much, much different kind of a player, but Charles had that ability to just, you know, hit a guy and really make him think twice about getting up and going back out there because, I mean, that's part of the game that, to me, you can't take that out of football, and yet that's part of the game that makes it such a an appealing and yet kind of uh, there's a morbid fascination of, of people watching this incredible, um, you know, collisions between players where people are getting hurt, but it's part of the excitement of the game. Hey, we we watch lions eat people in a <laughs> yeah, yeah, good man, yeah, <laughs> it's gladiator true. stuff. Yeah. And uh, I think somebody called it entertainment. Yeah, that's right. It's a supposed civilized nation. Well, that, and they of, say that that's or, the start of a of a declining civilization yeah. is when you get spectators rather than players, mm, right? And yeah. you know, they used to get three hundred thousand people watching the Coliseum, oh, the yeah. chariot races, yeah, and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It would have been um, interesting to, to check that out. I wonder what the sportscasters were like in those days. <laughs> <laughs> and he bites off an ear. And no, no it's kidding. Uh, so, Morris, I wanted to ask you because uh, toward the very, very end of your career, you played uh, in the USFL. I know it was for a very, very short time, but how did how was the game different? Well, it well it was the USFL. It was, it was very different. Um, it, it it was a new league. Um, I think the you know the there was a question of talent at that level, um, and, and in comparison to the NFL, you know there was talent because many of these guys are either played in college or had had careers uh, with NFL teams as I did. Um, but it, it it was a different game. Um, it was uh, oh I I don't I I don't even know I was I was only with the Oakland Invaders for for, for two regular season games so. I don't know how much of it I actually experienced and saw. Um, I, I know we just got the crap beat out of us in, in our, our first two um, um, games. I'm trying to remember what year that was. I think it was uh, 84, maybe 84. Yeah. And, uh, and, and again, I think, you know, looking back on it now, mentally, um, I, I was removed. I, I think I was beyond football at that point. Yeah. And it was an opportunity that presented itself. Um, in hindsight, I'm glad I did it because I got it out of my system. Hmm. Um, I've never really looked back um, at it. Um, it did take me a little while to uh, transition. I think um, that's a whole other topic, but it's been um, uh, it's, it's it's afforded me very very well in my position today, as far as helping me to understand what some of our guys are going through. Gotcha. Or to better understand it. Okay. M- Morris uh, Bradshaw, stay with us if, if you could for just one more small segment, okay? Sure. All right, great. Thank you so much. Okay, so we're going to cut to another commercial break here. Uh, and because this is not the hardest question in the world, I'm going to go a little deeper with it, all right? So first, you have to you have to answer the question, what is the oldest bowl game? We're talking college, okay. obviously. Okay, sure. the oldest bowl game. Okay. When was it played? Okay. And what was it first called? Ah, because I'm pretty sure you know the first part. Okay, stay with us. Sports Econ 101 will be right back.
How would you like to earn over 8% per year in your investment portfolio in a conservative investment that has been considered one of the best kept secrets in investing? At Pacific Private Money, we are actually paying over 8%. Imagine what a mutual fund of low loan-to-value mortgages would look like. Well, that is very similar to what participating in the Pacific Private Money Fund is like because we own many loans in the fund that are actually less than 60% loan-to-value. It would be extremely difficult to find an investment that yields over 8% with this much collateral. We pay you monthly. Can you imagine earning more in one month than most banks are paying in one year? Of course you have questions about how we can deliver this. So call Pacific Private Money at 415-883-2150 and we will answer all of your questions. You can also visit us at pacificmoneyfund.com. Whether you're a local or entertaining visitors, check out the new Cityscape Viewing Lounge at the Hilton San Francisco Union Square for 360-degree views that are out of this world. This new San Francisco landmark serves up premium wines by the glass and locally crafted beers, as well as tempting appetizers, all of which complement the city's landmark vistas. The Cityscape Viewing Lounge at the Hilton San Francisco Union Square. Hi, Sports Econ 101 listeners. I'm Edward Brown. You know me as the host of the show, but you may not know that I work with individuals getting them the least expensive term life insurance policies around. Don't be fooled by the ads you hear on TV and radio. It's always best to work with someone who's completely independent. That's where I come in. If you email me at edward at sportsecon101.com your name, your age, and how much insurance you want, I'll run the numbers through my software program and let you know the least expensive policy around from among many of the top insurance companies. Again, I'm totally independent. So email edward at sportsecon101.com for your free life insurance quote today. Why pay more for life insurance than you need to? I can get you a guaranteed policy where the low premiums are fixed anywhere from 10 to 35 years. So email edward at sportsecon101.com right now for your free life insurance quote. That's edward at sportsecon101.com. I love iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio. Love it. Everywhere, man. (laughs) Seriously. Everywhere, man. 20 million songs from 450,000 artists. iHeartRadio. Reno, Chicago, Fargo, Minnesota, Buffalo, Toronto, Winslow, Sarasota. I create my own radio stations. Millions of songs, thousands of stations, one free app. iHeartRadio is that easy. Download the app today or listen online at iHeartRadio.com. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101 one more time. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Here was our second trivia question. What is the oldest bowl game? When was it played? And what was it first called? Well, I bet you Morris played in, not in the oldest. <laughs> yeah. well, not, in the first, not in the first one, but I know he, I, I bet you he played in the bowl game. That's considered the oldest, and that would be, am I wrong? Is it the Rose Bowl? It is the Rose Bowl. Okay, and Morris, you did play in the Rose Bowl, right? Yes. Okay, a couple okay. times, right? A couple of times. A couple of times. Man, you just thought of, I want to follow you around life. You know, you're, you're always on these winning teams. And I, I know. You, by the way, when we get uh, after we answer this question, I do want to um, talk about Woody Hayes because the oh, only thing yeah, I remember about yeah. him was tackling a guy. And Charlie get, Bauman. Yeah, 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 that's the only thing I remember about Woody. It was, I think it was a player on the other team from Clemson. It was. Yeah. Yeah, because he, he, he clotheslined him. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, I think he was an interception running back yeah. for a touchdown. And he yeah. goes, "Hey, if no one's going to stop him, I am." Yeah. He was about seventy years old or something at the time. Okay, so when. 
when was the uh, Rose Bowl? First when was play? the first played? I'm going to say right around the turn of the century. Yeah, 1902. 1902 very good. Okay, yeah. what was it first called? God, I, that's. Do you have any idea on that one, Morris? You played in it. I mean, they. I really it. don't. Yeah. Called the Tournament East West football game. No, I never would. Have, okay. I never would have Michigan beat Stanford forty-nine to nothing. Oh wow! And the first game to be called the Rose Bowl was in. I have here one ninety-six. Um, I think it was nineteen sixteen. I think nineteen sixteen. Yeah. Sounds about and right. Washington beat Brown fourteen oh, nothing. Okay. Well, we got Morris Bradshaw, the director of alumni relations for the Raiders, a longtime uh, front office person, also played with the Raiders. And Morris, I got to ask you, you know, you played, we talked about the era in which you played, and, and Morris wasn't a star, but he was a solid backup player. A couple of years you played as a regular. You were a very good special teams player. Who did you back up to? Uh, Fred Blitnikoff. Well, you had Fred Blitnikoff and, and uh, Cliff, known guys. And, yeah, Cliff, <laughs> Cliff Branch, you know. I mean, that, that must have been tough because, uh, you know, not being able to, to be able to get that many opportunities. But you got to be on the field for some great moments. I, I was at the Sea of Hands game as a fan, the 74 playoff game against Miami, which knocked the Dolphins out and, and uh, propelled you guys into the AFC Finals. The game, though, that always stands out in my mind, even though it was not a good season, 1978, you were on the field during the Holy Roller play. Now, for those fans that don't remember the Holy Roller play, Raiders are down by, I think, a touchdown or six points. Uh, there's about 10 seconds to go. They have the ball at the 30-yard line of San Diego in San Diego. Stabler is uh, rushed out of the pocket, hit, fumbles the ball. The ball rolls loose. Uh, Pete Banaszak, a backup uh, running back, picks it up, fumbles it. It rolls to the goal line, and Dave Casper recovers it. Touchdown, and it's ruled a touchdown. It was this most bizarre play, and I was at this game, Morris. You were on the field. What was that like as you're watching that whole thing? That must have just been kind of surreal because you're, you're probably saying to yourself, did this really happen? <laughs> I, mean, I don't think the fans believed it. Yeah, I was on the opposite side of the field. Um, and looking back on it, I always said, fortunately, I was on the opposite side of the field because um, caught up in the moment of the game, it was fourth down. And I mean, that was the end of the game, the last play. And I, I just keep thinking that had I had a chance to recover that fumble, in the playing field, I probably would have just fallen on the Sure, that's a natural. I yeah. That I did something great, but the game would have been over. So um, I think it was, uh, it, was very, uh, 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 it was very good for the Raiders that day that I was on the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember Pete Banaszak talking about it in later years, saying, I knew Kenny. He says, I saw Kennedy, and I saw Kenny deliberately fumbling the ball. He said, well, I knew that if I picked it up, there was no way that we could score, so I, I pushed it forward. And you watch the replay yeah. of that, and it looks like he actually did it in such a way that it's kind of hard to tell that he literally, you can kind of say, well, he did, but maybe it's just one of those things. <laughs> and then Casper, of course, just happened to be in the right. Casper always talked about it. He says, I just happened to be you know, out of the, not even involved in the play, and all of a sudden there's the ball lying on the ground. I just fell on it. <laughs> I love the way he ta <laughs> talked about these things. I mean, that's you talk well, about serendipity, though, huh? Yeah. Well, you have to know you, you have to know Dave Casper to appreciate his explanation of it. Um, and it, it, the ball was actually in, in on the playing field, and Dave was he was really trying to pick the ball up. Yeah. And for for him to to kick the ball, and and for the shape of the ball and and to go as far as he did and that ball never it never it stayed in front of him the whole time yeah and and typically that ball could have gone to either side oh yeah oh yeah yeah 
and but it stayed right in front of him, and and Dave had the wherewithal. I I, I make the presumption that he knew that he was in the end zone at that point because he fell on it. Yeah, because if he picks it up beforehand, or doesn't he doesn't on it yeah. in the field, it would have it would dead have been ball. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, you're watching Dave Casper too. I mean, the year before he made some great clutch catches that won you a playoff game that goes to the post playoff game at Baltimore. And you talk to him today, or even back then, I remember just as a young reporter talking to Dave Casper, and he would not make a big deal about anything. He'd score a winning touchdown, and he'd just turn around very casually, flip the ball. I asked him once about the Super Bowl, and he says, I don't remember anything about the Super Bowl other than us just walking off the field saying, hey, we're champions. And it seemed like today maybe the key for his success was he never took anything too – he never worried too much is what I'm saying. He was very calm and very evenly keeled, I guess. Well, Dave's a good friend. I'll just say he's 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 different. <laughs> <laughs> like all Raiders, right, Morris? Yeah. Don't you kind of have to be different to back different. in the back in the day? You kind of had to be different to play for the Raiders, <laughs> didn't you? I mean, Al Davis kind of liked those sort of personalities. Yeah, and and you know you you look at it today and you see guys, you know they they you know well, but see here here again the comparison the game today is truly uh, entertainment. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of the younger players that have come along with, you know, the different antics uh, after scoring and, and whatever. I mean, you know, that's the icky shuffle. You call it whatever. <laughs> but these are, you know, that's what it was. And and it, one of the things I appreciate about Dave Casper is, is his attitude. And he did it. It was It was what we were there to do. And he was fully, you know, prepared to do it again okay so here here's a small trivia question and and again i'm, I'm going to just make the assumption that i know the answer to this one who's the one who started like doing a yeah I'll, I'll say a dance in the end zone i think it all started with the first spike of the football who was that would have been i believe homer jones of the new york jets no, I'm, I, it, the guy that that celebrated and 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 I think that everyone, Edward, I think this is who you're, you're referring to, was the, the guy from Houston. That, that the, oh, uh, Billy White Shoes no, Johnson. No, no, before him. No, before him. Yeah. Before him? Uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Elmo Wright. Elmo Wright. Remember him? That's right, yeah. <laughs> I still remember the, the, the knees going up Jones. in the air and then the spiking down. Well, you guys had a guy. Now, he, this is before <laughs> your time, Morris, and maybe you, maybe you don't remember him, but I'm sure people have talked about him because you're in the Raider organization. You had a guy back in the 60s and early 70s named Hewitt Dixon. And I remember Hewitt, when he used to score, every time he would spike the football, which was very unusual in those days. But um, the exuberance of that was like, wow, that's kind of exciting. And it, it sort of gave a jolt to the game. And it, yeah. to me, that was the first time I really ever saw a guy do that regularly. Back in your day, guys didn't really uh, demonstrate that much. They wouldn't do the dances or the icky shuffles or whatever. <laughs> no, you, well, you, you know, guys, we weren't we weren't that smart, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know how to market no, I don't, yourself. No, I think it was just the word as, as flashy, you, you know. You didn't understand, you know, the, the magnitude of, uh, of entertainment. Yeah. And, well, uh, but, you know, I, I, again, it was a, a, a different mentality. Um, the way the game was played, I think, um, the way the game was presented. I think it's more of a class issue, you know, like, hey, we got a little bit a little bit too much class. To, I mean, not that I'm judging it. I'm just thinking that that – because nobody really did that. That uh, you know, well, now the, it's the world, the world was not quite – and it was a different yeah, world we lived true. in, too. We, we were more dignified. People wore coats and ties. You know, you said yes, sir, no, sir, and you, you respected authority. It was a different world, yeah. different world. Hey, before we let you go, Morris, i got to ask you about this current Raider team as we speak – they're one of the best teams in football. They've won a lot of close games. They've had seven comebacks in the fourth quarter. And here's an interesting stat. I don't know if you, either of you guys have heard this, that the Raiders in the last three minutes of games this year have a, 
a 42 to nothing. Uh, they've won, they've scored 42 points and given up no points in the final three minutes. That's of games. amazing. What what do you make of this Raider team this year, Morris? As we speak, I mean, they are poised to perhaps have a, a, a really kind of a Cinderella run here in the postseason if they stay healthy. Well, I'm Bruce. I'm 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 at a as much of a loss uh, to explain it. As anyone else, the only only thing I know for certain is, man, winning sure is fun. <laughs> After all these years of losing, especially yeah. four, 14 years of not making the playoffs, can you believe that? Well, um, I, I didn't, and I it, it had a conversation with a high school buddy of mine earlier this 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 week. Well, actually, it was an, an email exchange, and he was congratulating you know the Raiders and and on getting back into the playoffs. And I, I said then, I I you know, 14 years is 14 years. But it wasn't until he made that statement that I it really hit me how long fourteen years. Yeah, it goes by. It, it, it's well as we get older, it goes by faster. But still, you're involved with the Raiders. You know, going back into the 1970s, you had some time away from the organization, but much different organization now than it was then. And, and yet, the similarities are that uh, they're w- building a winning culture again now with uh, seven guys going to the Pro Bowl. That's kind of a neat story. Seven guys, and a lot of them. You don't hear about that big offensive line with guys like uh, Rodney Hudson and Kalecio Selemi and, and Donald Penn, but that seems to be the key. So it's kept Derek Carr, their bright young quarterback, it kept his uniform clean, and that team has been able to score a lot of points because of it. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the formula that I was taught, um, guys, when I came to the Raiders on you know for winning football games, and I still subscribe to it today because uh, it's, it's fundamental. Um, and and that is that you know football games are won and lost at the line of scrimmage, both offensively and defensively. Yeah. And uh, you know unless you you can control that little piece of real estate, not much is going to happen for you. And we've lived through that. We've lived through um, the, the you know the, the 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 quarterback situation. We've lived through the coaching situation. And and you know to I think Mark Davis's credit in hiring uh, Reggie McKenzie. And 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 then to to both of their credits in in understanding that we weren't on the right path and making a change, and 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 having an opportunity to bring in Coach Jack Del Rio, and I think with the the coaching staff that Coach Del Rio has put together, um, I I referred to him as a lightning rod. He attracts good players and he attracts good coaches, and I think this, this team, though we're in a different era. But there are some similarities that that I that I that I truly like. Uh, one is watching this team grow together and learning how to trust one another. Uh, we're a very young team, and and we make mistakes. And this team makes mistakes, but they have the talent and the ability to overcome those mistakes. Now that's not the way you want to play every game, and it's great that you you know you're able to do that. And maybe that is you know something that that works towards. You know these fourth quarter comebacks and and that whole thing. I, I would like to see us maybe just start playing the fourth quarter first. Yeah, uh, yeah. Who do you, you think is going to give them the most trouble in the playoffs? You know, at at at, at this point, um, I, I I don't care as long as we're there. Uh, and then you 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 have I think you you have to have the attitude. You know, I, well again I was taught you know Coach Madden. Hey, he, he, Coach Madden used to, it's, it's preparation. And one of the things he would say is, you know, you don't know. We might get to the stadium on Saturday, and they want to play on the parking lot. And what Coach Madden was saying is, 
we'll be prepared and we'll beat you anywhere you want to play. There you go. I like that attitude. And, and I think when you have that attitude and and that attitude comes out of your locker room, you know, who's going to be tough or whatever, it, it makes no difference. It, it really doesn't as long as we're there. Well, Morris, um, thank you. Thank you so much. We're going to cut to another commercial break. It's been our pleasure to have you as a guest. This is uh, Morris Bradshaw. And we're going to see Morris at the game on uh, Saturday when the Colts play the Raiders. So we'll look forward to talking to you some more then. Morris, thanks so much for joining us, man. Thank you. My pleasure. Count uh, on it, Bruce. All right. All right. Bye. Morris is a good guy. One of our, whoops, one of our uh, old friends from the good old days. Good guy. Yeah, very, yeah. very uh, good. I like, very eloquent speaker, yes. too. I like that. All right. So here's our last trivia question. Who was the first NFL quarterback to pass for 4,000 yards in a season? All right. That's our question. You know the answer? I think so. Well, again, you know everything. I, well, I don't know everything. Yeah, I think you do. I, I don't know my wife's birthday. Uh, no, yeah. no, 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 I'm just kidding. Just who's, kidding. Who's going to win the Warrior game tonight? That's an easy yeah, one. Okay, easy one. Yeah. stay with us. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner or an individual who owes the IRS? Then be prepared to write down an important phone number. Do you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes? Do you need to file back tax returns? Are you dealing with bank levies and wage garnishments? It's time to deal with your IRS problem today. Call Certified Tax Tax Representation now. Certified Tax Tax Representation, Inc. represents clients just like you in all 50 states. They will contact the IRS on your behalf the same day that you become a client, and you can become a client immediately. It's time for you to face your IRS problems. Think about how great you're going to feel when you're represented by a company who's an advocate for you, who knows the law, who also will contact the IRS the same day you become a client. Call today for your free, no obligation consultation. Call now, 1-800-999-1064. That's 1-800-999-1064. Not all cases are typical and some may not qualify. The consultation is free and so is the call, so call right now. 1-800-999-1064. That's 1-800-999-1064. Are you an inventor who would like to try to have an invention or idea patented and submitted to companies? But you don't know what to do next. Call for free information from InventHelp. InventHelp, a leading inventor service company, has been helping inventors since 1984 and has sales offices located in more than 60 cities nationwide. You'll want to talk to the company that has helped secure more than 7,000 invention patents. So call InventHelp. Even if you have an idea for improving an existing product and don't know where to go with it, you'll still want to call InventHelp for free information. You'll find out how InventHelp may assist you in trying to patent your invention and submit it to companies. So call now. Call InventHelp at 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. Get your free information by dialing 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. When you struggle with credit card bills every month, you're not just in debt. Debt is all around you. I see people every day that are on the brink. They're going to go over the edge, and at the bottom is bankruptcy, and we pull them back. At the Debt Helpline, we're experts at helping you resolve your debt problems and become free of debt. We can help you pay off your debt and give you one lower monthly payment that you can afford. You do get to consolidate your payments. 
you only have to worry about making one payment a month instead of making three or four or five. If you have $5,000, $10,000 or more in credit card bills, call the Debt Helpline now for a free confidential debt analysis. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Here's an easy trivia question for you. Who was the first NFL quarterback to pass for 4,000 yards in a season? I'm going to guess it was Dan Marino. No, that's what I would have thought, too. It was before him. Before Dan Marino, back in the 70s. Before him. Back back in the back, 70s. Back, back in before before the seventies. Back in the sixties. Yeah. Johnny Unitas. No, that's again who I would have also guessed. I was going to say who were some of the great quarterbacks of the nineteen sixties. Johnny Unitas, Joe Namath. Of there course. you go. Joe Namath. Joe Namath was the first yeah. one in nineteen sixty seven. Wow. Yeah. No. Joe Namath. I, I remember Joe Namath only really had about three or four good years because he got hurt, but he had that one great team. You know that. Uh, Won the Super Bowl. I know. That's why I, I, you know, you look now and you go, really? I well, he actually, he actually threw more interceptions and touchdowns. Yeah. But, but the thing is, if you win in New York and you win in a probable fashion, that kind of guarantees you a spot in the in Hall of Fame. I know. That, yeah. And, you know, no offense to him, but, no. you know, compared to other quarterbacks, he really wasn't that. He had like three or four really good years, but he got hurt. His knees were yeah. shot. You know? And so, you know, yeah. you can't really. Boy, he but you had, can't un, undo the Hall of Fame, great, right? <laughs> great games against the Raiders. Fun games against the Raiders. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Heidi game. The right? Heidi game is one yeah. that, that same year they beat the Raiders in the championships. But but the Raiders won that Heidi game, didn't they? They did. They did. Okay. They did. I just want to make sure I got that one right. Six weeks later, the Jets beat him in the AFL title. Game. <laughs> Those rascals. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Who would who would interrupt a football game to put Heidi on. Come on, man. Yeah, all right, here we go. Here's our thoughts for the day. Newt Rockney, we all know who him who him was, who he was. <laughs> him rock. One man practicing sportsmanship is far better than 50 preaching it. Mm. I like that. Okay. And Emil Zatopic. Is that how you pronounce it? Never heard of it. Z-A-T-O-P-E-K. Mm. Zatopic? Okay, don't, know said, who, don't know who that is. I'm not sure either. <laughs> but, but I like what he said here. An athlete cannot run with money in his pockets. He must run with hope in his heart and dreams in his head. Oh, I like that. Isn't that nice? I like that. I knew. See, I always try to pick these ones yeah, that I go, yeah, Bruce yeah. will like this because yeah. you're very philosophical. Emil Zopalek. Zatopek. Uh, Z- Maybe he's some kind of Olympic ru- uh, runner from France or something. Probably something like that. Yeah. Okay. Back in like the 1920s. We'll have, to, we'll have to look them up. Yeah. All right. Tune in next week to Sports Econ 101. We're going to be discussing sports topics from a business perspective and asking more sports trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm your host, Edward Brown. We'll see you next week. Good night, America. So long. <laughs>